sauce. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez, and you are here for the semi-final recap show. Two semi-finals on the weekend, two teams won and went to the prelims, two teams lost, and to talk about it all, I'm here with Sauce. Hey guys, it was uh, an exciting uh, final, semi-finals uh, week as we had, um, really, really big build-up and anticipation, and one game that was really disappointing, and one game that... um. Probably had a, a couple of fans a little bit frustrated for some missed opportunities. Pez probably being one of them. Commiserations, Pez. Oh, yeah, that's all right. We always um, expected to lose against uh, the might of the Tigers in the in the last three three years. But, uh, yeah, goal kicking uh, didn't really help St Kilda being an accurate team this year and uh, missing a lot of opportunities when they had it. And Richmond just dominating in that centre clearances and uh, getting some quick entries into the forward 50, which meant some quick marks and uh, some decent shots on goal. Yeah, um, it was one of those things where I think that you are right on where you guys need to be. You made your finals this year, you finished eighth. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but you know it's right where you need to be. You were competitive. You didn't get blown out from the final, uh, and I think there are opportunities for you guys to actually take the lead, and you really matched it with uh, with Richmond, and uh, let's be honest here, Richmond have been one of the, the best teams all year, and they're the informed team, and uh, yeah, yeah, you lost it um, from some inaccuracies and in the middle and got dominated in that ruck. Yeah, the middle and the ruck was the, the main issues there. We had uh, Paddy Ryder obviously missing, so Rowan Marshall had to go in there. And then Jonathan Marsh actually went in to back him up and it just bounced off that bloke's hands all night and he, he couldn't get anything going. St Kilda couldn't really get anything going going forward as well. They they took some easy shots that they that they should have should have converted but didn't. And some shots were a little bit tougher, but uh, Richmond just showed their class and their, their toughness with what they did around the ball and... Dustin Martin looked like no one was playing on him and they they set up at centre clearances really well to get him open and he had a lot of inside 50s for, for what he had in 25 touches on the day. Yeah, big turnaround from the week before where he was nowhere to be sighted in that uh, that second half of football against Brisbane. Um, but that's what champions do. They bounce back and they and they make you pay. And, and early on, you saw it from Richmond. Um, they were on a mission right from the word go, kicking those uh, opening two goals and they looked like they were going to absolutely... Uh, destroy St Kilda. So St Kilda's credit, they um, they adjusted straight away, which was really good, but they just got absolutely beaten up in those centre clearances and through that midfield. And it, I mean, it's I mean, you would be disappointed, obviously, in a loss. But but as I said, Perry, you you have to be happy with uh, how your Saints have played this year. And you know, you didn't expect where a lot of people expect them to finish. For them to finish there and only go down by you know thirty one, it blew out to the ends. But you had it down to you know a, what a couple of goals going into that fourth quarter, start of the fourth. Yeah, they were three or, four, three or so goal, goals, but um, they just they never in the game after half time because Tigers kicked five goals in the first quarter, four goals in the second. The thing that killed them, they, they only lost the clearances by three St Kilda, but the centre clearance was, was 15 to five. So when everyone was out and they only had the, the three midfielders and the rucks in there, then uh, yeah, they just got absolutely dominated with uh, no follow-up work. They, they seemed not to put pressure on the ball and Richmond's pressure is elite. So that stands up in finals footy. Uh, they couldn't get the job done against Brisbane in the previous week, but they go in with a lot of confidence to play against Port Adelaide this week at the Adelaide Oval and try and get in another grand final. Yeah, most definitely. They, they are an elite side, and, and it was some uh, some really amazing performances from some of the, the un, not the unknown characters, I wouldn't say, but some of the less likely heroes. Um, you know, you spoke about Dusty Martin there, but Shea Bolton 
wow did he did he put it stamp his authority on that game and really sort of you know salute himself as one of the the superstars coming and he's only 21 um kicked a couple of absolute amazing goals and he just seemed to he just looked elite there he sort of looked at that you know that scott pendlebury slowing the game down he lo- it looked like he was unable to be tackled at one stage uh, and uh yeah looked good looked good yeah definitely one to watch here he kicked the three goals he played it full forward at, uh for a little bit there as well and just came out of the square onto the lead he's really quick as well off that mark so really got in front of the defenders and uh a couple of their goals richmond especially in the first half were just you know around the corner they bounced bounced the right way and bounced through and St Kilda didn't really have that. Some teams have that goalkeeper kind of on the last line and they didn't really have that, didn't really adjust. I'm pretty sure it was three goals in the first half that actually bounced through and could have been stopped on the line, but uh, the adjustment wasn't there and the adjustment was too late. You, you even got one that was stopped on the line. Oh, that was the other way around, was it? We, we talking goal reviews yet, are we? Uh, we're not talking goal reviews <laughs> yet, but uh, it, it wouldn't have changed much, but it would, it would have put some scoreboard pressure on as well because the arc... Absolutely shocking, and no matter if I'm a St Kilda fan or not, everyone would know that that's that's most likely a goal from the from the review. And the umpire wasn't sure and said it might be behind. And then the guy in the arc goes, oh, "It's inconclusive. Uh, I can't make a call. Go with the umpire's call." Yeah, I know. Listeners know exactly where we stand on this, but I'm going to say it over and over again. I'm going to continue saying it until something is changed. I find it absolutely ridiculous that the umpire that has seen it once and who is the original person that's not sure about the result anyway is where we go back to the for the final conclusion. I've got no problems if, they, if the ARC doesn't have an idea what it is because, as you said, there wasn't enough evidence there. But after watching it seven or eight times, everyone could see that it was clear daylight. So you know what? I'm, I'm, I, you know, we, we haven't got to determine if um, you know, enough information. I, I, I think that the original call was wrong and I think that the evidence we've got is the most directing towards it being a goal. So award the goal. Yeah, and the, the worst thing is is the cameras. Like... With those blurry cameras, if his fist was anywhere near the ball, yes, it's inconclusive. I understand that. But looking at the angle that we saw, which is before the arc person made their decision, you can see the ball um, going towards the post and you can see his fist, you know, a, a few centimetres away at least. So uh, he didn't touch it. You saw his reaction afterwards as well, which obviously he didn't touch it and it went over. It's not Richmond's fault. Uh, I, I believe that every player that's on the on the line, if they go anywhere near the ball, and they know they didn't touch it, I, I think they should put their hands up and say touch to, tr- to try and get a review. And you, oh. you've got to try and bend the rules where you can. But um, So it's not cheating or anything like that. But uh, it, it's just wrong from the AFL not to have the, the quality cameras. And for this occasion, in a semi-final, not to have the actual camera, not even the ca- you don't even need the camera, not to make the right decision was, was tough. Yeah, it was, it was tough, but you're 100% right there. And it was interesting, the commentator spoke about it the night, and Vlosten automatically goes up, but it's almost, you hear in his voice, he's almost defeated in the way that he does it. And I agree, I think anyone who's on that goal line, they should do everything in their power to win. It's not cheating or anything. You're doing everything in your power, and I think you should definitely make the case and take advantage of the um, technologies there. But this just builds towards the, 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 the slow villain that is building, that is becoming Richmond. Now, Richmond have been a powerhouse, and when they won their first premiership, like all teams do, we saw it with uh, you know, Golden State Warriors, you see it with any sort of LeBron-driven team, that the teams that sort of come from nothing, they win, and then they slowly become in the villain, and Richmond is building with the villain for this, you know, the Hawthorne famous tag, unsocial football. I don't like that tag because I don't think that they play a high, rough brand football. Sometimes I think they actually just play just a, just a dirty brand of football. 
Yeah, I, I actually didn't mind um, Hawthorne back in the day when they were tagged unsociable because they were actually hard at the ball and yeah, they actually exactly went right. at the contest. Whereas uh, some instances where you see Richmond lately where they're giving away 50-metre penalties, they're, they're doing things behind play and uh, they're doing things after the whistle's blown and uh, dropping knees. It's uh, I don't like some of that stuff. It's really interesting because, you know, we, we spoke, I spoke about this last week when I, when I said to you, I'm like, I think that Richmond are starting to unravel. They've had a lot of off-field incidents this year and, and it comes down to discipline. You don't see those champion teams, Hawthorne and Geelong and, you know, even those dynasties are the teams that didn't win the premiership. So you go through like your St Kilda and Collingwood. You don't see them involved in this sort of uh, controversy through the year. And you don't see them give away undisciplined free kicks. You don't see them getting involved in those behind the players incidents. And it doesn't just happen from the, you know, the senior players or one player. It's happening from three or four of them. And for me, it's not the pedigree for a premiership. It's not one of those teams that, you know, if they do win, they're not, they're going to be regarded as one of those dynasties because they have what, they'll win, let's say three in five years. They've got that same sort of, you know, resume as some of those other teams we've mentioned. But to me, it's just not the right way to win premierships. Yeah, I think watching the game, I felt like Richmond had an aura of confidence about them, whereas St Kilda, just fresh, freshly won their first final in nine years, uh, were kind of hesitant to, to go at the contest at some points and, and things like that. So when they went for the footy, but then uh, players would come over the top and, and do things that probably weren't uh, part of the game, but the umpires weren't calling things and uh, things like that, you just see all right, Richmond kind of, do they want this more or they know what they can get away with? It felt like they're playing on the edge and trying to get away with as much as they could. Uh, perfect example when St Kilda earned a free kick, I think it was to Billings, uh, about a 50 metre mark, and then uh, Cochin just tackles Zach Jones too high. Da- dangerous tackle if it was in the play, but because the whistle had already been blown, the umpires didn't do anything about it. Saints remonstrated a little bit, but uh, Cochin seems to do a lot of elbows and a lot of hits off the ball, which I... I don't mind giving players a little bit of a niggle, but when it turns really dirty and when it um, puts players in a dangerous position, that's when it's a bit bit too far. Yeah, and most definitely I think that you, you are right. For that one, I am a little bit more lenient. As you said, it was just after a whistle. It did come late. Um, and you know what? You, you can give the benefit of the doubt maybe to, you know, if it was his first incident or he didn't play for Richmond. If you look at like, you know, um, like last week we spoke about Long and how you know he's got a bit of a history from this. Cotchen's the same. He's got a little bit of history of this sort of stuff. And a lot of people are like, you know, you need to be that arrogant team to win premierships. You don't need to do it. And I think that Richmond are a good enough football team and a good enough club. But their structure, they're well coached. They have got you know talent around the ground. They seem to have recruited well too because we see these young stars coming through. It's not something that I enjoy watching, and I don't enjoy talking about it. We're having we're talking about Rich, Richmond having an absolute bounce back game and dominating. We're not really even talking about how Richmond play. We're talking about all these other little niggly things that stops them from being a champion team. And, that, and that's what, for me, that they've got to do is get that undisciplined stuff out because that cost them against Brisbane at crucial, crucial times, giving away those 50s. Yeah, and uh, it's happened again. And the, the coach backed it up as well. He backed up the, uh, the He always things. does. He always does. And you, you kind of have to. But in this case, you, you could have just kept quiet about it because there are a couple of things that, that weren't on. You've got other teams with other players getting suspended for, for little instances when they're going for the ball. And when Richmond are doing things like that and always getting away with a fine or not even cited, it's uh, it's getting a little bit ridiculous and uh, Richmond fans may, may know about it, but I hope Port Adelaide were watching that and we're watching what they do. Try and get into Cochin, try and get into Lynch because the umpires this week, no matter if they find them or didn't do anything last week, 
they'll be watching for that and they'll try and stamp that out. So Port Adelaide, um, I'm thinking it's about Sam Palpepper. I'm thinking about Tom Rockliffe. Get that little niggle Charlie on early. Dixon, mate. Charlie Dixon comes in a bit late. Whack. Get that little niggle on early and just just get get going because you're playing against Richmond, the best team over the last three years, and, and they need something to fire them up. And the other incident that we haven't really spoken about, uh, a soft knee to the throat of Dougal Howard, but uh, it was a knee in any case after the play. He'd already given away the 50 metres by putting him to the ground after the after the whistle. And then he's decided, you know what, I'm going to drop a, drop a knee. It's like that local footy type, uh, the dirty bloke from the other team always gets that cheap shot in after the whistle where he can't get seen and the umpires aren't watching. But, mate, there's cameras on you. You've punched people all year and you've got away with it. You've got fines. And now you, you've gone and done this in a semi-final when you could have risked, like if you weren't wearing a Richmond jumper, I understand you, you're going to play anyway and you know that, but you're going to risk getting, a, getting suspended. And if he does something stupid in the prelim, when are the AFL going to stand up? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to stand up this week. And I think that they've made an un, unpopular decision to make these sort of acts um, you know, fine, sort of worthy. And you sort of mentioned it, that, that Richmond know exactly what they can get away with. They know exactly how far they can push it. And, and you talk about the dangerous act. I mean, it was a, a light sort of um, knee, I guess. But the, the issue is that he's, lay, he's laying on top of Howard's head. And as he's on the ground, he then throws the knee into, and it's around the neck area. Like, you know, we're talking about the head being a sacred spot. And we talk about it, we protect him, you know, like last week, the reason that he got a week is because it was head high contact, accidental head high contact. And the guy ended up walking up, this bloke's on the floor, already down, not being able to defend himself. And whether it be a soft knee, a hard knee, a, a love tap, whatever it is, it's head contact. And it needs to be held in the same sort of respect as it is accidentally. And it just, it just isn't. And if anything, to me, I don't understand like... What? Why? It's off the ball. We, we pay. We pay free kicks for a shepherd off the ball, but we won't pay that. I don't. I just don't understand it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a strange one when players are going for the ball, making accidental contact. It's the same outcome where the other player continues to play out the game. There's no damage at all, and they still get uh, suspended. So, uh, in this case, it's it's something different. Um, uh, getting past those two incidences and actually talking about how Richmond won the game, we spoke about their centre clearances, we spoke about their quick entries inside forward 50, and Tom Lynch didn't have a very accurate night, uh, two goals, five, but stood up where Rewalt was a little bit of a decoy all night and didn't really touch the footy. Yeah, they, they were pretty. Um, they were pretty efficient when they went in fo- inside the, the actual fifty. Yeah, they made as we as we've spoken about in the last probably month of football. Richmond make sure that they make you pay, and you know not only the by the way that they sort of um, you know pile on goals after turnovers, but it's that perceived pressure that they force. And you saw it many times. We spoke about this with against Geelong versus Port Adelaide, where they put perceived pressure on St Kilda to just make poor decisions, rushed kicks, and, and you know it, it was costly because. It did. It re- responded dr- directly in a turnover, which meant that Richmond were coming back at again. And when teams are coming at you after, 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 it's hard to keep up that thing. As you said, a young, inexperienced final side, they're going to score and they're going to score quickly if you don't stop it. So, you know, they, they, they're a very high-pressure team. We know that they make you pay, and that's exactly the, the algorithm that they use to win. Yeah, and uh, looking, at the, looking at the side, I reckon 21 players are safe and already picked for the prelim final. I reckon there's one in doubt, and I think it's the uh, really good story from last year. Marlon Pickett, I think he's really struggling in the last month of footy, and uh, his disposal's letting him down. He's not getting much of the pill, and uh, I think they might have someone in the wings to, to bring in instead, and I'm tipping that that might be a change this week. 
Yeah, what do you what do you have? Nine touches. He had a couple of clearances, um, and for his role and for you know, and you and I have always said this: we don't believe that he's this superstar that everyone's saying. And he was a great, you know, hard luck story. Came in, had a couple of good possessions in the premiership. When you win by fifty points, it's pretty easy to do that. Had a, a meaningless spin move, but um, he's sort of been gifted a spot because of a, a range of different injuries. But his spot definitely is going to come into question this week against a you know a fully fit top of the ladder in form Port Adelaide side. Yeah, very interesting. I think uh, he's the only one in question. Uh, Hardwick might just, you know, continue to go with him and continue to try and see what's happened. But uh, that, that's what they did in the end. Uh, Martin was untouchable and uh, Hooley off the half-back line and then uh, that, those three goals goals by Bolton. And then Shane Edwards, what a return from him as well. He He's a, he's a great uh, person to just you know, slot in in the finals when he comes back in and, and start going from there. They're talking about giving players contracts that, you know, they'll play a few games during the season and just so they can put them in in finals. I think that'd be a bit uh, unfair on the rest of the players if, you, if you're not going for that. But if that's the way it comes down to with these list changes, it's, it's very strange. It's the, wrong, it's the wrong way to attack a premiership. If you're going to be signing people at the start of the year just for the in-case or, you know, coming in the leading weeks for it, that's just the wrong way to do it. But you, you mentioned Bashahuli. He was super impressive. 32 disposals, you know, they, they Richmond are the best when they run that, you know, they anchor everything from their back line and you, you just didn't have to stop for him. And, you know, he's in elite form. He always has been. He, he's an amazing player to watch. One of my favourites is an elite kick. Just the way how much, you know, you mentioned this on our last podcast, poise, how much poise he has with that football and him be able to hit targets, lace out on the run. And it just, it seems like people, he just seems to create space for other players. It, it's remarkable to watch. And uh, very respectful, as as we saw in his post-match interview as well. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered who he was playing against, but he said, you know, up-and-coming team and just paid full respect to the other side, which was uh, good to see. Uh, we speak about uh, mistakes, and I think one mistake is Hunter Clark has been playing a little bit in the midfield in the in the previous weeks. Richmond were on, on fire at the start. St Kilda couldn't get a centre clearance. We were saying, you know, put him in there in the first quarter. And then, all right, it's quarter time. They're going to make the adjustment. Put him in there. Didn't put him in the centre for the whole second quarter. Put him in the first bouncer in the third quarter. He gets a clearance and, and they go from there. So he had, a, he had a good second half in the in the centre, Hunter Clark. He needs to have a big preseason and he needs to come back uh, as a midfielder, not not on the half-back line. Yeah, he had a, a decent sort of game and, you know, it, it's... It's better when they make those decisions in there, and we don't understand why that's happening. He's not being made in, like he's not put in there regularly. Does he not have the tank? Is is you know, is that he's not part of his game plan? Because if he can go for those stints in there, and you can get him fully fit, and you know that engine going for a full game, that frees up a lot of a uh, lot of aspects. And last week we saw him at his best in that midfield. He needs to be playing there regularly. Yeah, and you talk about the, I'll say I'll talk about the other midfielders, uh, Sebros and Jack Steele. They had twenty five disposals each, but I'd say their games. Weren't, weren't up to par. I think they they turned the ball over a bit and their disposal wasn't at where it needed to be. I think Steele could have uh, had a bigger influence in the middle there. So I think both of those players would be pretty disappointed with their performance uh, off that. Hanabry was serviceable. He always spends a lot of time uh, off, off the field. But the big recruit that I was super excited about and played really good early in the year, Brad Hill, hasn't he been struggling? They're, they're not getting him the footy. They're not playing into his hands. He's not a contested player. We've seen in finals footy in the, in this final series, when the when the ball's there to win, he backs out of the contest. He he runs the other way. He just wants to receive the handball and run down the wing. He he doesn't want to get any contact. 
So how do you build him into your game plan then, Pez? You know, you spoke about him that he was a very highly touted recruit. He was very excited. You were very excited in the preseason. We saw him rip up in that midfield. But you're right, he, he gets the easy pill. And for the brand of football that St Kilda wants to play and that they're most successful at, he needs to be getting those clearances and he needs to be getting a contested pill. And because he is such a great delivery into their forward line, but you can't be an outside player all the time and be playing where he's playing. Like, how do they solve that problem? Yeah, I think Brad Hill's just got to, um, as a three-time premiership player, uh, third club now, he's, he's got to just go in there and he's got to try and win some contested footy because that's what the opposition are trying to make him do. And they're really exposing him with that. They're not just letting him sit on the outside and receive the ball and kick it inside 50 because teams would be stupid to do that. They know how good of a kick he is. So uh, he's, he's got to go in there. He's got to show other teams that he can win the contested footy and get it out. And then it'll free himself up on the wing. So I think it's all, all around him. And that's uh, what he needs to do in the off-season. Yeah, so some big steps for you, uh, St Kilda, to do. And we will discuss that definitely later in the show when we do hashtag season over. But that's that's pretty much the, the game in a nutshell. You know, you, Richmond really took clear, um, control of the game early. They made St Kilda pay and they took control of those centre clearances, giving themselves multiple opportunities to go forward. Just a quick quick tip for next week, Pez, going forward. No, no stats in front of you. No, no detail. Who wins it next week, Richmond or Port? Uh, being a final series, I'm a St Kilda supporter. St Kilda are out, so I'm all over the interstate teams. So let's go, Port. <laughs> it's so funny that we we discuss this every year. You're like me. I don't want another Victorian squad winning it. Uh, I, there's certain obviously interstate squads that you don't want it winning in it as well. But it's so weird that everyone's like, "Oh, you got to jump on the Victorian side." Bullshit. <laughs> I'm supporting. I'm supporting my side because I'm in Victoria. If I've got a mate side or you know, my, my, you know someone, you know, second team that sort of you don't mind watching when your team's not playing, yeah, go for it. But otherwise, you're interstate all over. No, well, I'm I'm not the same as that because uh, some of my mates like you, you go for Geelong. I've got a mate that goes for North. I'm not backing them. I've got a mate that goes for Collingwood. <laughs> not backing them. I've got another mate that goes for Essendon. Not backing them. I could keep going on and on. I'm not backing any other club that my mates go for and let them have the wood over me uh, going in the future. That's because you guys haven't got a premiership in a long time. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we spoke. You spoke a little bit of there about uh, your mate side and your mate side doing well. One team that's still alive from uh, from our two teams in the pod is my team. Geelong came out an absolute domination of Collingwood. Collingwood, um, it was very obvious that they played their final last week and they got up there. They were very chatty during the week, a lot of Collingwood supporters. They called out corns saying that, you know, like you're just making up numbers. But this is exactly what we're talking about with teams making an impact in finals. I would much rather lose that first week by a couple of points than get absolutely blown out of the water in that second week. Yeah, it's... It's a hard one because uh, the the odds show that you know Geelong weren't heavy heavy favourites. Uh, Should have been. A lot of people were back in back in the pies in after their uh, win over in the West. But you know they're they're travelling back from the West. They're they're tired. They've got Mason Cox in their side. So what did we say on the pod last week? Did Mason Cox play? Oh, like, oh yeah. I didn't well, see any finger wags or any uh, big you know chest in a big the Amer- big American. Didn't see the, him at the all. The good meme the good meme was when he kicked that goal uh, against West Coast and he's got the finger wag with the just the one. Yeah, and it was just like Mason Cox uh, touches in the in the semi final. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really disappointing for him, but uh, disappointing for Collingwood fans who, as you said, a lot of a lot of um, even a lot of media people would you know sort of expected, um, and I don't think it's a combination of um, Collingwood obviously standing up against West Coast, but um, more to the fact of Geelong poor finals form but we've seen Geelong do this many a times they they lose that first week they beat the team that they should beat you know their second week and then they are disappointing the week after yeah 
Well, I, call, I called it last week. I said um, it, it happened previously as well when they yep. lost that first final. Everyone's talking about Geelong in straight sets. They came out to smash Sydney. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of the same thing here, which is why I, I leant towards Geelong. I thought they'd win by a smaller margin than that, obviously, but uh, Collingwood only kicking one goal up to three-quarter time. It's, uh, it, it's just horrible for their supporters. It's, when we get into season over, we'll, we'll speak about it a little bit more. But they had 12 players with under 10 disposals. Yeah, but... And, and, and honestly, I don't even blame a lot of those Collingwood um, players for not getting in touch. It's not one of those ones where you're like Collingwood played poorly. Geelong didn't allow them to show up. They dominated the, the, the that centre center ruck clearances. Um, danger in that first first quarter was amazing. Mitchell Duncan had about 17 touches in the first five minutes. And that ball just continually went down out of the middle. Um, you know, we spoke about Geelong's ruck issues, and it's a small sample size, but that's two weeks now that Reece Stanley has really done a great job in that ruck. Hopefully they keep him in there for the third game. They don't take him out for some absurd reason. But can't drop he, him now. He was a massive part of Geelong dominating that game early. And also, as we've mentioned many times on the podcast, kicking straight wins games. And that not only does it kick, um, you know, kick winning scores, but it also builds confidence. And that was very evident in that second quarter when they started to pile it on. Yeah, you miss three of those goals in a row. And you start to put the pressure on the scoreboard's not ticking over, and Collingwood go down and kick one. It's a whole different ball game, whole different momentum. So Collingwood, you've got Trelaw who had eighteen. Trelaw had seventeen disposals. No other player for Collingwood had over fifteen. Like they they just didn't touch the ball. Any time they went forward, they were kicking it long, uh, even off Prenderbury's boot, which was surprising. And it was Blitzarves, it was Tommy Stewart who were getting the intercept marks and just controlling the ball across that back line, just racking up the disposals, racking up the uncontested marks and, and going forward when they needed to. Yeah, and it's exactly what they tried to do last week and this is why last week we gave so much, you know, so much praise to Port Adelaide because they just stopped them from doing it. Geelong had the top seven leading disposal getters. Their highest disposal getter was Trelaw with 18. That, that's unheard of for a Collingwood side that has, you know, Adams, Pendlebury, Trelaw... You know, Dacos and Chris have been starting to, to get up in that 20 mark. But they were just, as I said, they just didn't allow them to get into the game. And, you know, it was it was disappointing for as a Geelong supporter, and I suppose a lot of people that, that don't follow Collingwood, that that last quarter that Geelong sort of put the cues in the rack and allowed Collingwood to, you know, kick, to get away from uh, have, registering the lowest score in a, in a final for them. Yeah, well, they were talking about that on the commentary. It's probably because that was the only thing they could talk about to try and keep some interest in the game. Uh, Brody Grundy. Really struggled in the final series. Really struggled. He struggled, he struggled for the second half of this year, oh, actually. I was going to say the month leading up at least to that final thing. Uh, I don't know. Is it going to come out that he was injured or something in, in this time? Because he's just not having that impact that he had. Pe- other teams are planning for it and they're running around him. They're, but, but the, he's got to, no impact. To me, if, you know, for me, that's worse if he comes out and they hear that he's, that he's injured because Darcy Cameron, as we saw, has been really you know, holding up his own in there. And if he's injured, get someone else in there. Now, I know Collingwood have had a lot of injuries throughout the year and they've sort of, you know, a, a season, they've done extremely well to finish, you know, what were they going to finish? What's that, six? I can never work it out after nah, they do it. Finish eighth. But, they, it. but, you know, make it, to, make it to a semi-final with the amount of injuries they've had. But they've either got to address his role and get him to become a standalone ruckman or start to migrate into that tall defender or a mid forward or or something else because you're right teams are planning for them and he's no longer able to dominate games like he has been in the past couple of years yeah definitely not uh, talking about dominating games you you need your big players to fire jordan degoe didn't fire and then it's announced that you know you might be wanting to go to carlton like we don't usually talk about these 
trade rumors, especially while the season's still on. It's a, it's a strange time of the year with the COVID and it's mid-October and all that trade stuff starting to happen. But um, if he leaves Collingwood, that's a that's a massive thing for them if they don't can't get someone else in, like a Jeremy Cameron or someone. Yeah, especially, I mean, you imagine that they sort of spoke to Buckley about it um, after the game. It was interesting, a uh, press conference, as you said, that they sort of moved on within 24 hours about, um, you know, people leaving and this and that, that they spoke to, you know, what sort of player that he would be looking to replace to go in. And they're not looking for a standalone forward. They want that sort of, you know, that similar sort of forward like to go in, that sort of medium to, to, you know, medium to tall forward, snag a couple of goals, but also play minutes into the midfield, just like a Dangerfield or a Bontempelli or, a, you know, Dusty Martin, those sort of players. But they're not dime a dozen pairs. They, they don't just pop up and, and they're, I'd be doing everything I can, throwing everything at Dugowie to lock him down because, you know, I, I think that their list is a pretty good list and, and we were talking earlier in the year about being one of the most dominant midfielders and a really, really good list. And for the first time in a long time, I think both you and I actually really respected what they were doing and actually saw them as a top four, top, you know, top six side. So it'd be disappointing for, for Eddie Maguire and Collingwood supporters if they lose Dugowie. Yeah, uh, 100%. They, we know he's got that court case still incoming and, and coming up and things like that, but uh, just uh, it can be a star of the game and that potential doesn't come around all the time, as you said. So uh, do everything you can to keep him. You don't want him to go to Carlton and uh, Collingwood. You know, you get Howe back next year at some point, who's an elite defender as well. You get a couple of other names back, but you do need a, you do need a big forward because you can't keep going forward with uh, my check. And Mason Cox is your main targets. Yeah, first time he kicked uh, multiple goals in the finals uh, thing was, which I found was crazy. My check, mm. that was absolutely crazy. But you mentioned superstars, Pez. We must talk about my cats because we can't talk uh, about a, a sixty-eight point win and not talk about how spectacular Geelong were. We said that they piled on the goals. We said that they controlled that ruck. But as you said, they kicked the ball straight, which is really a great step to, to winning games. But it was the way that they did it. It was so businesslike. Dangerfield kicked two amazing goals from the boundary line. And I was watching it and I'm just like, wow, just the one finger salute, no carry on, no celebration back in there. He means business. And I'm really, really fearful for Brisbane next week if Dangerfield's in this mindset. Between him and Selwood, they look like men on missions to try and get to the to, to the promised landing, you know, deliver a grand final uh, goodbye for, for Gary Ablett. Yeah, and <laughs> look at the motivation. You, do you need any more motivation? Because, Surely not. Uh, the cup is motivation enough. Some of these players have, have been been there and got that and know how it feels. Dangerfield, you know, something missing from his resume and he, he really wants it, he really needs it. So uh, Chris Scott played him up forward. Strange. Well, he, he played him up forward after he dominated in that midfield. And the thing is, I told you this last week, I really worry when Dangerfield has one of these games because what makes him so effective as a footballer and as a forward is the fact that he dominates the games in the middle from the start and then by the time the coach makes the adjustment, he then takes him down forward. And we've seen his marking overhead capacity. Every, he was jumping at everything. He was getting two hands to, to almost every single contested um, contest that was coming up there. You know, A couple of times he had his arms chopped or he dropped the mark, but... Making a play at everything in the forward line, and that's how you make an impact, is not starting him there. Because if you start him there, it's easy to plan, because right from the word go, it's one or two options. Start him in the midfield, get him up that seven or eight touches in the first minute, five minutes, dominate the clearances, and then as soon as they adjust to him, boom, you change. I don't, I don't think he should go off the ground. I think <laughs> if he's in the midfield and he needs a rest, put him up forward. I, I think he'll be able to deal with that. Um, he's fit enough to do that. One player I was really impressed with uh, was actually Gary Rowan, who... Is, is a really strong overhead mark when, when it comes to him. 
uh, didn't have too much of the ball but and didn't kick uh, a goal. But just his, his way around the ground, his poise, and was able to, to kick the ball into the middle to uh, get the better shots at goal was amazing. And, and Ablett did the same. Ablett could have uh, pinged from 50, 60 metres out a couple of times, and he just spotted up the, the right target inside 450. Yeah, they definitely do what an experienced team does. It doesn't matter who scores, it, you know, as long as we score. And, they, and you saw it, there was a, a play where I think, uh, I think actually Rowan started off where he sort of marked it in the 45. He chipped a kick to Guthrie, who was about 50 out, but, you know, on a worse angle, and then they chipped it again. There were three chips, chip kicks inside 50 that set up uh, Menegola for a, a perfect shot on goal right in front, and that's what you've got to do. And do you know what I like most about this win, Pez? Is that we're not doing what every other media talk show is doing and stating the obvious that, oh, it was good that Tom Hawk- Hawkins kicked goals. He had a good game last week. He was inaccurate. Had a great game. This week, had a better game, right? Because he was able to push up the ground, start that offense from that overhead mark, you know, the, about the about 70, you know, 80 out, set up his run. And what's really great is he's giving those score assists as well. Yeah, and le- leading the league in score assists and <laughs> winning the Goldman medal is an amazing feat in itself. And he's continuing to do that in finals. He doesn't care if he kicks a goal as long as his team can get the victory. And uh, as, as I said last week, he would have really put that – Loss on his head last week, kicking zero yep. five and a couple of uh, missed shots as well on the full. Uh, and he, he's come out this week and and done the best thing for the team in, on every possession. And they they got away with a sixty eight point win. Collingwood, see you later, and their season's over. And Geelong, yeah, Geelong. you're fighting for a grand final. Now. Geelong on to next week. I think uh, it's going to be a really great matchup. It's going to be a great final series for the last week of finals. Um, you know, before we get into the, the big dance pairs, there's not really, um, I mean, there are favourites, but if you look at the betting market, Port Adelaide and Richmond are even money, and I think Brisbane is a slight 20-cent favourite or whatever with Geelong, um, and that's probably as close as it's been for the last couple of years. Yeah, well, as, as we said at the start of the final series, you you must finish top four to have a realistic chance of winning it. Yes, we know the Bulldogs did it in 2016 <laughs> from seventh, but... It's most likely not going to happen again. And we saw that Richmond, you know, controlled the game, won by 31 points, Geelong won by 68, the two teams that lost the first week. And, and usually it does happen in the media when the teams, two teams lose the first week and the two bottom four sides win. It, it, it's always talked about like, oh, this team's informed because they won. This team's no good because they lost. But realistically, they finished top four for a reason and, and they showed it on the weekend. Yeah, they did. Uh, and, you know, it, it's going to be a really, really great final series. And you're right, Pez. There is no informed teams in this because everyone has lost. Everyone has come in there, has had a week off and lost one and won one. The top four teams are in there the way it should be and uh, really, really looking forward. And I will be so nervous uh, all probably Friday and Saturday. But as I said, super, super proud that my team's there and hopefully we can get one more win and, uh, you know, face off for a grand final. Yep, hopefully you can. I did see uh, Razor Ray do a, a couple of strange things on the weekend again, and uh, I think he's he's looking at it getting dropped himself. Surely he surely he's off. He's making the making, and I don't really go after umpires, but the fact he's making so much about himself in the game, the way that he's talking to players, the way he's carrying on, and he knows he's mic'd up. Oh, just just he, he knows take a step back. It's not about you, mate. He's, no. he's bounced the ball. It's gone out. It's a horrible bounce. Don't joke about it. It's not they, funny. The player it's throws it back to him and he's, you know, catching the ball and, and, then, oh, and yeah, doing, I don't know what he's doing. Just carrying Stupid on. shit. Raise a yeah, ray. You need you. to be dropped. Yeah. See you later. Get out of the bubble. Get back to where you live. I don't, I don't want to see him umpiring again. 
No, it, and you know the thing is that everyone makes it, and Channel Seven and and Fox. Oh, they make it. A they joke. make it such a joke, and realistically, he 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 actually is not a bad umpire. He just takes things and makes it about himself, and it really worries me as a fan of a sport because when these people are involved in finals and it becomes a big moment in a game. What are the chances of him actually going the whole look at me, look at me, and pulling something ridiculous out? You saw that in that final, actually last week, the very first call, the the deliberate out of bounds in the first half where Geelong kicked the ball out and it's, it's dribbled along the floor and they've pinged it. You've got to be joking. But that all all that was was the old peacock. Look at my feathers. Everyone look at me. Just carry it. Just carry on. I can't stand it. We respect the umpires and they're there to do a job, but just do your job. Just do your job. Get paid. Do your job and... Don't act like a tool and a dickhead. My coach has always said the best. Away, that's what he did. Coach has always said the best umpire is one that you don't even notice. Like, oh, who umpired us? Oh, I, I can't even remember who it was. Must have done a great job. And that's the thing. How many umpires would you know None. by their name? Except for our man JB. <laughs> Goal umpire is a different story because we watch them very carefully. But I'm talking about field umpires. You, you know hardly any of them unless they're in a special game and the the commentary team highlights it. You see some um, people on Twitter going, oh, no, we've got this player, uh, this umpire umpiring us. They're going to be biased. It's, it's, against only, it's only ever the one person. It's only ever the one person people do. No one, you name, name another umpire. Couldn't do it. No. No one could. Yeah, but no, no talking about umpires. There's two teams that just lost their seasons and their season's over. So let's get into that segment. And here we have it, season over. We lost two teams. We lost St Kilda and we lost Collingwood. So what we'll do here is we'll we'll give them a hashtag for their season to sum it up and talk a little bit about what they need to do in the off-season, what they need to do going into the season 2021. So we, we'll start off with uh, My Saints source. They're, they're out. They're gone. Uh, you got a hashtag for them. Yeah, I do. Um, I, was, I was really happy with the Saints and I was high on the Saints coming into this season. I said that they were a top eight side. I think I actually had them finishing top four um, in our mid-season show when when we went through. They, they finished sixth. Um, really happy for them. Uh, I think that a lot of St Kilda fans would say that they're ahead of schedule in terms of the way they perform this year. So for me, the hashtag is uh, six heaven because you finish six, seventh heaven's one of those things that, you know, meant to be that sort of talked about amazing thing. You've got the Saint reference there, but you're exactly where you need to be. Your goal this you had to be make finals you did that tick you won your first final boom tick next year you're aiming for top four or you're looking to make it to that second week and, and get a win so for me the season was a massive success you saw some really great recruits running around the, their list management has been really good it's a shame that um, you had those couple of those injuries and, and sort of people that had to, to attend to some personal issues and some family issues that you couldn't see a full squad against Richmond because I don't think it would have won, but it would have made it a lot closer. And hopefully you can retain most of those things next year. Yeah, it would have made for more interesting viewing, of course. Um, it was it was a good year as a, as a Saints fan myself and uh, watching them go about it. And they did give away leads and they, they got a lot of learning to do, steep learning curves uh, within games and being able to control the tempo and things like that. Uh, they got a lot of growth coming up, which is through the draft in Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield. Uh, players coming through. Josh Battle played a good game on the weekend after sitting, I think it was 33 minutes on the bench. We thought he was out for the game and then he comes back on. Something to do with his foot and he, he came on, kicked a goal and had an impact. Uh, they've got the players around there. My man, Max King, kicked zero goals, three. Very inaccurate in that final, but uh, he performed the week before. He, he's going to be a monster. He's going to be a Coleman medalist uh, sooner or later. But my hashtag 
for them. Uh, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still about the semi-final and the loss and hashtag Paddy Whack because it was it was a massive whack. He he starred for us in that first final and got us over the line. And I think if he was there, he, he would have dominated in the ruck and that would have made the, that centre clearance game more so in the favour of St Kilda. And if we, they were able to compete with that, you know, you never know what could have happened. I mean, you lost the centre clearances. Not that it's always a direct um, relation to the actual, you know, the ruckman. You lost it 15 to 5, Piers. You have to give yourself a, a decent opportunity, adding a couple of more, um, you know, a <laughs> couple of more extra uh, looks at it. Uh, and uh, as you said, the, you were in with that, a chance for that for most of the game. You know, take out obviously when they sort of piled on early. But yeah, a bit disappointing. Yeah, and uh, good season overall. Brett Ratton's doing the right thing. The the uh, club's recruiting uh, the way they need to. We need to get another, you know, strong midfielder in there. You need that strong-bodied midfielder that can dispose of the ball really, really well. Uh, they did delist five players. Uh, straight out, um, straight up. We will talk about the delistings and stuff when that's all said and done. Uh, not not many names that, that people would know. Names like Logan Austin, um, Langdams, and Ryan Abbott uh, come to mind as delistings. Yeah, Jack Mayo. Really played Jack Mayo. As you said, not many, not many there. Yeah, a couple of those boys might be picked up on the on the rookie list again. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, they're going in the right direction. I think they're they're attractive. They're a more attractive team now. Where, where players might want to come to them. They had the five recruits during the off-season that, that really came and, you know, stood up and did some good things. You add Dan Hanabry there who got recruited the year before and has spent a lot of time on the sidelines. Uh, a midfielder, keep Paddy in the ruck, keep developing Roland Marshall. You've got your forwards that you're developing. Your young defence is looking good. Uh, I think it's only up. So anything that misses finals next year would be a fail and you've got to aim for top four. Yeah, most definitely. Um, or... or Two finals wins. I think that's what you got to do because you only had one extra win this season than last year, which is surprising that you finished six from there. Obviously, a shortened season. But uh, for me, St Kilda have got to win the games that they're meant to win and not blow big leads. You did. You took a step in the right direction this year from holding on holding on for a couple of those wins. But as we said, you got to win from the top four. Two losses come to mind where you blew big leads. Uh, and to me, that's, you know, two more spots. That would have got you finishing top four, would have given you a double chance and given you every opportunity to, to go in with a bit more confidence. You still may have lost to, to a Richmond side, you know, in better form, but realistically, you know, you've got to do that. For me, what you need to do is Brett Ratton's already sort of said that you need some more midfield depth. And he's already come out and said that. You need that big body midfielder, like someone like, you know, before he sort of, he went into a bit of strife, one of the Crouch brothers would have been perfect for you. Someone in there who gets the ball and then could have given it to someone like Hill on the outside to get the ball rolling. Yep. Um, definitely our weakness and what we need. We need Steele to continue developing. He won the best and fairest medal uh, Sunday night as well, uh, the St Kilda function. And we, we just need to keep developing that midfield. I think Billings is... Either, either a trade target for someone. He, I don't think he has too much value. He, he's got to really step up and the, the coach needs to decide where he's going to play. Is he going to be a, a forward? Is he going to be a stay-at-home forward? Is he going to play on the wing and try and deliver the ball in? Because sometimes he has a big impact on a game. We've seen it. 20, 24, 25 disposals and he plays really, really well. And then there's games where he has 11, 12 disposals and you hardly notice him. He's got no impact. So he's a, he's a top three draft pick uh, from a few years back and he really needs to step up and take it to the next level, uh, just like most of the list. And if the list can all, you know, take that next step, they can continue to build. And that's what you want to do, continue to build to season 2021, make a, a top four or, a, you know, a semi-final again and, and achieve a win. And 
hopefully deliver a premiership, Fez, because uh, it's one that you've definitely been lacking and one that you sort of you sort of have deserved over the last 10 years to, to at least – I'm not going to say deserve because... No, if don't you, piss in my pocket, mate. We <laughs> haven't won one and just... That's it, yeah. All right, speaking of pissing in people's pockets, I know, Pez, that you're going to be looking forward to have a whack at Collingwood here. Pez, they had a, they had a pretty up-and-down season. They were um, highly touted as one of the teams to beat in there. They were hit hard with the injury stick throughout the year, um, as well as some undisciplined acts that sort of saw many of their players on the sideline for half the year. Pez, what's your hashtag for Collingwood? Uh, I... I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy watching Collingwood games. And if they're winning by a lot or losing by a lot, we just see Eddie Maguire's face. I have to come home, put on TV. He's on hot seat. Um, he's on footy classified. He's on all these different footy shows and he's on triple M radio. And then I've got to sit down in the footy and it keeps panning to him at the footy. And I, I just keep seeing him. They're, they're losing by 68 points. Leave him alone. I don't want to see him anymore. So um, it didn't seem like Collingwood were ready to play either. So I've gone with hashtag Eddie or not, a little, little play on ready or not. Uh, Collingwood weren't really ready and uh, Channel 7, whoever you are, Foxtel, stop showing Eddie. Yeah, it's disappointing because he's not like some of these other pretend presidents. You can see he cares so much and he literally bleeds black and white and the, there's passion for him for the way that he handles himself in games and most of the time he's there with his family. Leave the poor bloke alone. Let him, you know, I wouldn't want a camera on me if my team was losing at any stage, let alone 70 points in a final. Like, just leave the poor bloke alone. But but I've gone with, um, for me, I think they had a really good season, Collingwood, and I think that they were sort of hit with the injury bug. They did overcome um, a lot of adversity, and I'm really hopeful for Collingwood if they can keep this side together. Sign on to goey, maybe lock in another sort of forward, um, get rid of Cox, and maybe if they can get Jeremy Cameron as that second sort of forward there. But I've gone with the hashtag swooping season because – for me, this is exactly what magpies do. They, you know, they when they start swooping, they're trying to protect their nest. They're showing off all the things that make them, um, you know, one to watch from going forward. So, you know, they've got the the beak, the beak clapping, the, the they're whooshing above their head, they're flapping the arms, they're showing everyone that hey, we're almost here. And I think that it's this season, you know, that big win in West Coast is more scary for next year than it was this year because, as you said, they 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 weren't ready for the Geelong game. But I think if they can get a couple of signings, build that momentum for that final series, they'll be a really dangerous side next year. Yeah, you're going to lose a few players through the delistings and stuff, but you need to strengthen that forward line. We speak about it most of the time, Collingwood lose. Brody Mycheck, Mason Cox are not that. Jordan Goey, great third forward. Amazing. But you've got to get some big twin towers in there. You've got Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt um, over at Richmond who have, who have been the benchmark over the last three years. Um, you need you need something like that. You need two players like that. So I think Collingwood, what you need to do, bite the bullet, Mason Cox, send him back to America, um, send him back overseas. We don't want to see him anymore in the AFL. Uh, what's he going to do? He's kicked five goals in Richmond in a prelim final, still didn't win the premiership, and then he's kicked three goals in three minutes against West Coast and won them a, an elimination final. Yeah, all right, well done. You, you've, you've done nothing in your career. Uh, send him back home because surely there's an Aussie homegrown player that's going to have a bigger impact every single week than Mason Cox. I just think that you do one better. You just you offer him a, a contract minimum, a veteran minimum, as they call it in the NBA, because you know we'll put it in American terms for him. So it's nice and easy for him to understand. He gets a minimum. No one else is going to pick him up. And then what they need to do is go after someone like you know Dun- Gunston. Go after someone like him. Sign sign Myacek. Sign Dacos. Sign. 
um, you know, uh, Darcy Moore as well as Dugo, as we said. And then you could look at maybe, you know, go after or pursue someone like Jeremy Cameron or even Ben Brown. Ben Brown would be perfect for them. If they put Ben Brown in that side, a lead-out one-out forward with that midfield and that that absolute delivery on a platter, that would put them in a top four contention. It, it sounds not bad. Put Ben Brown and Jack Gunston in there instead of Myacek and <laughs> Cox. And then have Cox have Cox on the on the, uh, on the the injury list ready to go in case they do have an injury. He steps in. His forward structure is the same and he can learn from Ben Brown how to actually lead because that's his problem. He just wants to be the tallest bloke in the world and put his hands up and expect yeah. it. It's if he learned Ben Brown's um, you know leading patterns and as much as I hate to admit it, Buckley's a really good coach. He could definitely use a forward like Ben Brown, give him a good coaching opportunity because Ben Brown hasn't been coached well. You know, for, for his potential, for him to be leading straight lines and having such a centric game plan around one player is crazy. That's not how you free up a, a key forward. Yep, and you talk about the negatives. The, the forward line is their weakness. They do have to improve. Three massive positives, I think, for Collingwood this year. Josh Dacos, an amazing player on the wing, Gone into the midfield more than he's playing in the forward line in previous years. And midfield and wing suits him to a T. Amazing kick. Another player that has impressed me, Braden Maynard, who used to, you know, Bucks believed in him and, and Bucks was right. He couldn't kick this bloke. He, he turned it up the ball over plenty of times every single game. Bucks just kept persisting because he saw something and knew something and, uh, yeah, became All-Australian 40 and uh, good on him. And the other player, Isaac Quainer. Off that half back line, he's got the he's got um, the the poise. That's that's the word of the week, <laughs> word of the month, word of the month, <laughs> and just that run and intent to to play on and take the game on. And he's got that confidence. So I really like watching those three players. Yeah, I think you've got one key player that I've been super impressed with, and probably Collingwood's next captain, Taylor Adams. He has slowly been building quite a resume in that midfield. He had his first All Australian this year. He was an absolute standout. But if you spoke to a lot, most football football lovers, they wouldn't even notice him because he just goes about his business, doesn't do the fancy things, just does the basic stuff, gets a lot of the pill, but he puts his players around him to be in an amazing position to go forward and he makes everyone look better, similar to Scott Pendlebury. And I think that, you know, he ended up, what, dislocating his shoulder or breaking his arm on, on you know, a, a Stanley smother on the weekend. He is captain material and, you know, mate, it's very positive for their future. Yeah, but well, the best thing about Taylor Adams' season was when Trelaw was out and Pendlebury was out, he stood up and he, he took his game to the next level and uh, continues to do so. So a uh, lot of upside for Collingwood, but yeah, you've got to fix that forward line. It's the only thing holding them back because the issue was obviously against John, they didn't kick goals, but one of the things that you always say about Collingwood is, I don't know where their goals are going to come from. They do, look, obviously they, they pile it on, but you need to guarantee three or four goals from you know multiple forwards. Look at West Coast. You know where West Coast goals are coming from. And then they also get the other contributors as well. Geelong, you know where they're coming from. Brisbane, you know where they're coming from. Like these teams, Richmond, you know where they're coming from. You need to know where at least five or six goals are coming from. And if they address those issues, they've got an elite midfield there. Their back line is really good. They had two All-Australians in that back line. Put put Howe back in there next year. Yeah, yeah, it's... um it can be on the up for Collingwood, but they do have to make some major moves. They usually like, you know, they like their they their players to, to stay, but you've got to make some tough calls sometimes. Yeah, they, they should go after Saad as well. I just thought about that. I know Saad's been uh, interested in moving clubs. They should go after Saad. He would fit perfectly into that side. He's going to Carlton, mate. Yeah, but they should they should pursue him. Like, if he's, gonna, if he's going to – Carlton's been named for Dugowie, why not pursue him even harder? Like, why not? 
Like, they would be perfect for their side. No, you can ask a question all the time and uh, <laughs> see what happens, but um, he's not going to kick them goals in the forward line, so they need to need to be able to do that. But I don't think Jeremy Cameron will, will go there either. Jeremy Cameron might become a New York club, actually. Yeah, yeah it'd be good. Get, get rid of uh, Jenkins and uh, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll, we'll trade Jenkins to Collingwood. You know what? He would have been he would have been better than Mason Cox this year, and I hate Josh Jenkins. No, no, you do. <laughs> They're like you're you're all Australian of people that you hate. It's just them two over and over again. <laughs> Mason Cox and Josh Jenkins. I do like a lot of players. Oh, and sorry, uh, Bruce. And I'm very I'm very positive, very positive uh, footy supporter actually. So uh, yeah, look, looking forward to the uh, prelim finals coming up, big Friday and Saturday nights uh, coming up this week. Two interstate uh, finals. I would usually go to the the prelim finals as well uh, as an AFL member, but we couldn't go anyway this week. So it's just going to be the same coronavirus, you know, didn't win this week. Well, <laughs> yeah, coronavirus didn't because we couldn't win anyway. Yeah, okay. Because we couldn't go to the game anyway. Oh, cool. So, so it's a victory against coronavirus. Hopefully we do have a victory uh, against the coronavirus on the Sunday when they announce, hopefully that we can have some people over for the grand final pairs because <sighs> grand final, I don't know if I can do it alone. <laughs> It's, you're going to have to have all your, your screens around you on, on Zoom on and Zoom. <laughs> get, get everyone involved, have, have a big crowd there. But um, that's it. We'll, we'll see what happens. Love, love talking footy again. We'll do, do a cheeky punch show later on and we'll also do a um, pre-finals show, which is what we did last week. So if you didn't hear them, take, take a look back and uh, have a listen to what we came up with before the games last week when the games have already been played and, and listened to. Sometimes it's good to go back and listen to those things and see what we said and if uh, Source sounded like an idiot and I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. So that's all good. I'm Pez. Peace out. I'm still Source. We'll catch up next time, guys.